is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Donald Burr with Falling Like Dominoes. Good morning. This is Jazz Shapers and I'm Elliot Moss. Thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them, we bring their equivalents in the world of business and we call them business shapers. My business shaper today is Melissa Morris. She's the co-founder and CEO of Network Locum. And Network Locum is a very clever online business which puts self-employed locum doctors into positions that are available in local GPs. And you'll be hearing lots about that from Melissa very shortly. In addition to hearing from her, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And then we got some brilliant music today from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul. The wonderful Nina Simone, new blues music from Taj Mahal and Kebmo, and this from Dinah Washington. I'm mad about the boy And I know it's stupid to be mad about the boy that was Dinah Washington with the iconic Mad About the Boy. Melissa Morris is my business shaper here on Jazz Shapers today. She's a co-founder and CEO of Network Locum, as I said earlier, um, and they help locate the gaps in, in the requirement for GPs to be around doing their GP roles with doctors that, that want to take on a role, the locum word, basically. Um, Melissa, thank you for joining me. I know that you've been a manager consultant. I know that you were working in the NHS. Tell me about why you decided, having seen the problems there, that you would do something about it. Because many people see problems mm. uh, and they stay in their lovely, cosy jobs. Not many people actually set their own business up. What made you decide to actually do it? Um, I think there's a few things. I think, one, um, I was exposed to, obviously, lots and lots of problems. Um, and I never really felt like I could get my hands on them and really solve them. And I'm quite a hands-on person. I don't really sit still. And I think I got a little bit frustrated being in an advisory role where you sort of give people advice and then you kind of walk away and then that's that's it and you have to start on another problem and, and I really love seeing things through um, so I really there was one thing that really resonated with me which was just seeing how inefficient staffing was um, I was in a hospital and I saw that the most qualified doctor was basically spending all of his time um, organizing the rotor which is you know it's not not really the most effective or efficient use of somebody who's so qualified's time um, so that that was one of the reasons why I did it. I, also, my parents were entrepreneurs, so I guess growing up, I must have really kind of it must have been ingrained in me as I was growing up. So uh, I, they were also extremely encouraging when I when I thought about leaving McKinsey and, mm. and going to do my own thing. They were very very supportive, and I think a lot of other people's parents probably might have been a bit more risk averse. So I, I've been very lucky from that respect as well. Just help me understand, you did a business administration degree at University of Bath, and yeah. then you went into the city. I think you worked for Lehman Brothers at some point, you I worked did, for yeah. Citibank, and then, and then McKinsey. Did, did you do that because you thought that would just be, was that the right thing to do for you at that, that time? Was it you thought, oh, this will be good training, or was it something a bit more... Um, I think I really thought I wanted to be an investment banker. I always found like I had a good grasp of numbers. Um, I liked finance when I was at university. And I guess in, in those days, being a banker was 
kind of cool. Uh, it's not anymore, obviously. And um, it's very different now with startups being like the thing to do. Um, I think I really thought I wanted to do that. And then when I actually experienced it, I really realized it wasn't for me at all. The culture was just very, very aggressive. And I think it's quite difficult when you are very low down the ladder um, to really enjoy what you're doing. Um, I felt like I really wanted to be, you know, in front of clients and, and doing sort of the stuff that all the senior people get to do. And that's why you became a management consultant. And just briefly, intellectually stimulating, yes, but you talked about, I like your, your thing where you said you just want to be more hands-on. Was that obvious to you very quickly that you uh, you felt like you were slightly hamstrung, that you were slightly distant from the problem, even though you could give someone a good bit of advice? Yeah, totally. I think especially in banking, because you're sort of building these models for these giant deals, you know, somebody buying another enormous company. But really, you don't understand kind of any of the context behind it or, or what the kind of numbers you're putting into a model actually mean, which kind of leads to mistakes if you're like me and you have terrible attention to detail. Um, <laughs> and if you if you have that, I think you, you find it very difficult to advance in banking because you really do need that like kind of obsession over correctness and detail. And it's just not something that comes naturally to me. Stay with me for more from my business shape. That's Melissa Morris, co-founder and CEO of Network Locum. Time for some more music. And it's brand new from Taj Mahal and Kebmo. And it's called Ain't No body talking. That was Taj Mahal and Kebmo with the brand new Ain't Nobody Talking. Melissa Morris is my business shaper today, and she is the the woman behind this very clever idea, which is aimed at solving the staffing problem for doctors. You, you mentioned a, a number of things um, immediately, Melissa, and one of them was that there are highly qualified doctors who aren't using their time in the best possible way. That frustration... Um, was it was it your idea born out of frustration and irritation, or was it just you know what there's a gap there and I want to fill it? And there's a, there's a distinction to me. What do you think it was? Were you irritated or were you just spurred into action? Um, so there wasn't there wasn't really a gap in the market because the gap is being filled by manual methods. So actually, you know, there are 800 or something medical recruitment agencies in the country doing this job. So it wasn't really so much oh there's a gap there, no one's doing it. It was just seeing how ineffective it was and I just hate <laughs> inefficiency I think it's I, I did something a personality test recently and the top thing was like I loathe inefficiency and that really resonated with me because I do um, and obviously you know when, when you start putting a business case together as you have to when you want to raise money etc you you do see yes that this could actually be really big it's a massive problem um, everybody needs medical staff doctors want to be free from bureaucracy and uh, administration um, and actually as you start testing the market you see that there really is a need for this so yeah, it was mostly from 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 sort of irritation about the market, mm. um, but equally, I knew that this was going to be a really big opportunity. And then you have to set this thing up. So you've had the idea, and then you go, okay, fine. Now what? And what was the first step that you took to? Because people again, they move from being employed to being yeah. completely self-employed. Did you know where to start? Oh God! I mean, I have had a really funny 
journey. So I so I left McKinsey. I, I, I decided, I said, oh, I don't really know enough about, you know, the NHS and its inner workings. I mean, like, you know it from an outside perspective, but you've really got to be in it to, to really understand it. And so I left and I went to go and work for the NHS itself um, when... Uh, the coalition government came in and completely reorganised the whole of the NHS and nobody knew what, what it was going to look like. Um, so I joined a strategy team and basically worked there for a year to really understand how it worked. Um, so I did that and that was eye-opening. And I have honestly met some of the most brilliant people from within the NHS that I still am, am very close with today. And did you do that, just to be clear, because you knew you'd set up your own, you were going to set your own business up? Yeah, so I already had the idea of Network Locum. Um, I knew that, and I, but I knew what my failings were. So instead of just kind of, oh, I'll figure it out and being a bit arrogant about it, I was like, no, 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 you know, actually I can, there's some things I can actually do to learn a bit a bit more and get advice from different people and and so forth. So, so I did that. Um, and then I... Um, realized I was like, okay, well, I, I need to raise some money. So I didn't have a clue, you know, how to do that. Ended up applying for this Sky TV game show, which was, it was called The Angel. And it was, um, it was this game show where basically entrepreneurs go on it and then the, you get eliminated one by one. So it's sort of a cross between The Apprentice and, I don't know, some other kind of cheesy game show in front of a studio audience. And it was, it was live as well, which made it even more embarrassing. And um, anyway, I, I won. And the prize was 100 grand. So, I mean, just imagine, you know, you're 23 and you suddenly get 100 grand to start your business. You know, you think this is this is it now. I've, I've made it. Um and then anyway, it all sort of came to pass that the deal wasn't quite um, the, the right deal for us. So so I turned the money down in the end. Um, but, you know, it gave me a really good step forward because um, City AM ended up covering that I turned the money down. And then after that, I actually ended up meeting some great angels who gave me the money that I needed. And yeah, so, so it was a bit of an unorthodox journey. But um, nevertheless, I don't regret it. Stay with me to find out the next instalment of how Melissa Morris got her business off the ground, despite winning and turning down the money. This great programme, I do remember actually, it wasn't great, it was a bit, it was a bit strange. Uh, latest <laughs> latest travel in a couple of minutes, and before that, some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishcon Direct for your business. I'm Daniel Farrandyne, an associate in the planning group at Mishcon Direct, part of the wider real estate department. You may find as a, uh, as a business, or as a small business, or if your business grows, that Um, you're having problems finding accommodation. This may be partly due to the fact that permission has been given nationwide, with a few minor exceptions, uh, to allow officers to be converted to residential. An awful lot of office stock, therefore, is being converted to much more valuable uses for owners. That causes big problems for those who want to occupy small units, because those are the ones that are clear targets for the exercise of this right. There is some hope on the horizon, however. Uh, We've been engaged with a few clients uh, on large mixed-use development schemes who have either offered or have been asked to provide starter units for commercial occupiers, um, be they tech startup industries or or just small office or retail units. This is almost the equivalent of affordable housing for the residential sphere, where uh, in granting permission for housing development, a local authority might insist that some of those are made available to uh, those who can't afford afford to occupy it on the open market. A similar sort of concept of affordable commercial units is gaining more ground and is worth investigating. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. 
This is Jazz Shapers, and every Saturday I get the chance to talk to someone who's shaping the world of business. If you've missed any, go into iTunes, put in the words Jazz and Shapers. If you're on British Airways in the near future, you can always tune into the British Airways High Life channel, and you'll find some of the best guests that we've had over the last five years right in there. Melissa Morris is my guest right here today, and she's the co-founder and CEO of Network Locum. Uh, They help get rid of that problem and, and in fact, address the issue of of very clever doctors trying to work out rotors for people that that might need to be placed in roles that that need to be filled and melissa has come up with a natty bit of software we were just talking about your your tv fame Mm. uh, and you turning down the money i they just just wasn't good enough for me i didn't want their money what happened after that though melissa you said you raised some money and uh, and then what did you know what to do with it i mean this is the thing i often ask people that have done this for the first time did you know where to start investing was it if it was software who were the software developers um so yeah, I had no clue. <laughs> I had, I literally had no clue. And I actually do think I talked to my fiance about this because he also started a business at the same time as me. And, and we were saying, God, you know, if we were trying to start a business in this day and age when it's so much more competitive um, in tech, we would we would probably have failed. I mean, we I just made so many mistakes, so many hiring mistakes. They're the sort of they're the dangerous ones, I think. Um, but if you had no clue, really, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So something must have got you through quite quickly. I think it's just the ability to learn from your mistakes. Um, so I really did have no clue, but I think, you know, as soon as something goes wrong, don't, for God's sakes, repeat the same mistake because you're mm. going to get the same outcome. Um, and just be able to be nimble enough to change, you know. Did your um, idea change along the way? Because many people I speak to, they actually pivoted about 15 times and then the product you got wasn't the product they started. Yeah, so the product has changed significantly. Um, it, we ha- I wouldn't say it was as drastic as a pivot, um, but the way in which... The, the kind of the product does what it does it has changed a lot so when we first started it was it was all about gap filling so you know if you if you can't find a, a doctor that you need and it's last minute or whatever um you would post the job and we would we would bring somebody to you um but now it's much kind of much more of a software um play so what i mean by that is we give a workforce management software basically to our um, users and that helps them um, work with people that they know and trust and it, it values relationships and we also provide a lot more tools for the doctors to completely free up their administration so we didn't used to have for example invoicing tools or payment software etc uh, and we have all of that now so the idea really is is all about how can we free up people's time to, to focus on what they need to focus on and along the way very early on once you realized you, you could you address the problems you had these issues as you said um, that, that came about at what point did you go do you know what this might just work no I, I always thought it was going to work I think that that, that self-belief of like you know there is no plan b at all um so yeah, I, I've always had that that feeling that you know this is going to work. It has to work. And when did you get funded significantly? Because I know you've raised, I think, over five million pounds in venture capital. Mm. Was that relatively recently, or was? So yeah, we did um, we did a VC round last summer. So that was in around August time with BGF Ventures uh, and Peton Capital. Um, and Peton actually invested a little bit earlier as well, a year before that. So, um, yeah, so we've got a really great network now of people who really know what they're doing and, and can support us, which is great. Stay with me for more from my business shapes. That's Melissa Morris. But it's time for some more music right now. Nina Simone is here and she's with Mood Indigo.
That was Mood Indigo from Nina Simone. I've been talking to Melissa Morris all about the trials and tribulations of setting up a business. And you've been very honest with me. So I didn't have a clue. Um, You say things have got more competitive now. I'm sure they were pretty competitive then. Why do you think you got away with it in a way? Why do you think we are here having this conversation? Well, when I I started Network Locum in 2012... um, there were no labour marketplaces. So we didn't have Uber, for example. So I didn't really have anybody to learn from. Uh, the only marketplaces were really e-commerce marketplaces like eBay, etc. So I was sort of looking at those and thinking, how can this model apply to to staffing? Um, but it was it really wasn't as competitive. And, you know, now if you walk around Shoreditch, which is where our office is, you know, every man and his dog's got a business idea or everyone's starting something and people are leaving their, their day jobs in their droves. And it's just not, it's a very different different time now and that is great because it's so creative and it's I think it's really wonderful that people are empowered and they can solve problems but it also means it's much more competitive and particularly when it comes to funding um, because you know that there is a fixed pot really of, of in the UK particularly as how much money can be invested and you've got to think you know there's probably 10 times the amount of people now trying to draw on that capital um, and I wouldn't say that the, the capital amount has increased by 10 times. Has your ambition changed over this time? I mean, when you set it up, it was to address the problem and, and the frustration, as you said, you loathing inefficiency. Um, what is it driving you now? What is, what is pushing you forward every day? I'm not sure my ambition has changed, but the problems I'm trying to solve have changed a lot. So it's no longer about, you know, how are we going to get a product that works in the market or how am I going to get investors to take me seriously? Now it's like, you know, how do I design the right organization and motivate my team in order for us to really grow in the, in the, at the rate that, that we have been? Um, and, and as you grow, you know, it, the whole dynamic changes. So there was a point when we were a family and there were like, you know, six of us in a room and working on everything together and now it's much more structured and we've brought in more senior management and we've put these processes in place that I used to kind of sneer at these sort of HR processes and things like that and you know and we have all of those now and we've become a proper business so now it's sort of about me proving to myself that I you know that I can step up and I can lead a a kind of proper business as well as muck in and Mm. you know do what I was doing before and keep keep the energy levels high. And in terms of this team, I think it's roughly 50 people, I, I believe, that work yeah, for you. Yeah, 50. Um, how, what's your style? I mean, I imagine it's the way we're talking now. I'm pretty sure you'd be the same with all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Ooh, it's quite yeah. I'm 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 very um, hands on, so I still I still get really involved in things. Um, for example, I went to Birmingham for a full week with my team, and uh, I actually was doing door to door sales. That was only like a month ago. Um, but then equally, I will um, I, I I do a lot of strategic stuff. So I do, whilst I love injecting a little bit in the beginning, I, I do then like to step back and let let the team kind of get on with it. And you, you've alluded very uh, clearly to the fact that things have changed. This is now in a different stage of the business. Are you enjoying it in the same way, Melissa? I am enjoying it in the same way. Um, it's all about, for me, it's all about learning. And because we have grown at such a rate, I'm constantly learning. And there are things that I am always trying to solve. Um, I think the day I stop learning is probably the day I will stop enjoying it. And that will pre- probably be the time for me to, to step aside. But um, at the moment, no, I'm, I'm still definitely enjoying it. I think the other thing is, so long as you can surround yourself with people that really inspire you, then it also just becomes a great place to be. So, you know, we've got some such bright people that come to work with us and they're all driven by the same mission of really improving healthcare. And it's such a joy to go and see them every day. You know, I don't wake up in the morning and think, oh God, you know, I've got to go to work or have that meeting. Like I bounce out of bed every morning. So yeah, I still am enjoying it in the same way. 
Stay with me for my final chat with Melissa today. Plus, we'll be playing a track from the Cuban pianist Roberto Fonseca. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Roberto Fonseca with the Funky Family. Melissa Morris is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. Um, it, it strikes me that you're inside of a business which is inherently, and not just your business, but the NHS, um, it's political in nature, with a very small p, I'll add, because this, this is not about politics of either party. How do you navigate those in changes that happen? Because the NHS becomes one thing for five years, it becomes another, and we all read about it. Does that affect your day-to-day plans? Um, of course. I mean, it's it's something always in the back of my mind because the NHS is our biggest stakeholder and our only client. So it's extremely important that we are aligned with everything that they do. I think, you know, my approach has always been about providing value at the grassroots. So... You know, building something that doctors love, something that people who are managing rotors love. And then how can we actually then facilitate some of the policies actually that are being pushed forward? So, for example, there's a policy. uh, I don't know if you know much about the NHS, but there's a big um, kind of piece called the five year forward view, which is uh, the plan for the next five years for the NHS. And one of the um, kind of cornerstones of that is... um, a, well, obviously, use of technology, because um, the NHS has no money, as we all know. Um, and the other is, um, how can providers, so GP practices and hospitals, how can they work together to, in order to leverage the scale? So, therefore, as well, like, save money. Uh, and one of the things that we do is we help GP practices join together and share their staff between them, so they don't have to rely on agencies so much. Um, now, that is a really great way to help them align with the policy. Um, They might not ordinarily want to work together or or be able to work together, but this is a really simple piece of software that helps them to actually just start to work together um, for the purposes of sharing staff. Um, So it's kind of how can you really provide value and then how can you also help people align with, with the legislation? Does it matter that you have one client? I mean, it sounds a strange question because obviously in this country there is a there is a national health service, but does that change the way you think about innovation in your own business? It's interesting because whilst it's one client, technically, um, it doesn't mean that you just get one contract and, and therefore you're dominating the NHS. Or You know, you still have to go to each individual hospital or department or each GP practice um, because they are individually run. Um, but I guess, does it matter? Uh, it does matter because changes that get made to the NHS as a whole affect everybody that works for the NHS. So you really have to keep on top of all the decisions that are made. And, and, and yes, it, they do affect you on a kind of a much larger scale. You, you are generally uh, more exposed to the kind of political risks that other businesses in the private sector are not. But, you know, with that, you also get to work for an incredibly important part of of the country, you know, something that is touches everybody. And I think 
that actually kind of that you you trade off the political risk and and some of the risks involved with running a business with the NHS mm. because of the mission and because it's just so important to everybody. And just very briefly before we go on to your final um, our final piece of music and your your choice, you talked about the the NHS five year go forward pro, uh, plan. What's yours in a nutshell? What, where are you going to be in five years, Melissa? Oh gosh, you know it's, it's um that's quite a tough question um because. We adapt so much. Um, every time we learn something, we'll adapt. And I don't really believe in rigid five-year plans like that um, for something that is quite new. Um, it's quite a new idea. So I guess I want us to like. I want us to innovate and to, to continue to innovate. I would love to be able to provide different types of staff as well as doctors, help help people schedule nurses, for example, pharmacists, etc. Um, and I also would love to see if it worked internationally. So I went to the US recently. Um, there's quite a big market there. Uh, Australia, obviously, as well, is, 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 is there's a really big market for um, freelance doctors. Um, so, yeah, I guess continue to innovate, provide value uh, and see if we can do it internationally. Good luck. Thank you. May the force be with you. <laughs> um, and it's been really fascinating talking to you. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice? Why have you chosen it? So uh, I recently got engaged. And, Congratulations. Um, thank you very much. And I'm just, yes, I'm about to join a most, the most wonderful family. Um, my fiancé's family are amazing. And they live in Australia, so I don't get to see them very often. Even better. Yeah. And they're big jazz fans. So I asked um, my future mother-in-law what she would like to hear. So this is for Marina. You're so clever. This is good, isn't it? They're going to like you forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope so, because uh, they're stuck with me now. Um, so this is uh, Miles Davis and You're My Everything. Excellent. Here it is just for your mother-in-law-to-be, who is called... Marina. was Miles Davis with You're My Everything, the song choice of my business shaper today, Melissa Morris, actually for her future mother-in-law, Marina, in Australia. Uh, Melissa, someone who loathed inefficiency, someone who saw that that needed to be addressed and that's what really drove her to create the business, and someone who has created a business whose mission is all about improving healthcare. I don't think it gets much better than that. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am sharp here on Jazz FM for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meantime, stay with us because coming up next, it's 9 Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.